through streets paved with gold Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones Of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house Where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom But they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Heart of the Matter can be seen here, of course, on live television all through Utah, parts of Idaho, parts of Wyoming. You can also watch all Heart of the Matter on at hotm.tv in our archives. There's over 250 archived hour-long programs, and you can also go to YouTube and uh, type in Heart of the Matter, Sean McCraney, and you can see over 600 clips uh, for your viewing enjoyment. Wherever you're watching, we welcome you tonight. Uh, just a quick, we don't do shout-outs anymore, but I have to do a quick shout-out to Carly. She is just just a phenomenal girl and uh, into being wanting to be a makeup artist. And uh, so she was a little shy in life. So I just want to say, Carly, keep going, my friend. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. And let's go from there. Hey, we are looking for people who are once LDS, but are now mature Christians in Christ to help disciple people who are coming out of the church. If you are interested in becoming an Aletheia representative or liaison in your city, Wherever it might be, please email us at sean, S-H-A-W-N, at aletheamedia.com and write in the subject line, um, representative. We're so blessed. We have people literally from all over who are saying they want to help. They're signing up and we're getting it organized and we're going to be in touch with you officially very soon once we get the names kind of set. And as emails come in from that area, Anchorage, Alaska, someone writes us from Anchorage. I'm LDS. I'm thinking of getting out. We can send that couple that's in Anchorage. Uh, right then to go help uh, them out. Now listen, I got a letter from somebody whose name is Kevin, respectfully Kevin, and he has very beautiful handwriting by the way, but he is, uh, he's a little angry because we are saying couples. And he really is uh, upset because we're not uh, uh, saying single people to be representatives or liaisons for the ministry. And then he gave me a full, well-written letter about how, you know, marriage does not qualify you to do anything in uh, the uh, kingdom. And he's right about that. Uh, the, the thing is, though, Kevin, that you have to understand, um, we're in a position where we have all kinds of people who are going to be writing us. And, let, and then we say, hey, let's hook you up with somebody uh, out there in Anchorage, Alaska. And, we and this person's name is uh, Trina, and she's 19. And we're hooking her up with Larry, who's uh, 45, and he's not married. 
And, you know, we have to be, just prudence tells us we have to be careful. So it has nothing to do with qualifications at all in terms of somebody's ability to share the Lord or teach about the Lord or anything like that. It just has to do, Kevin, with wisdom in, in this world that we live in today. We have to protect both sides uh, from accusations and things. And so when we get a married couple who is being a representative, they jointly are able to work with one person or a family, and it, it will help uh, alleviate many problems that we could foresee happening. So I hope you understand that and uh, go from there. Um, we're doing our early spring open water baptisms. Uh, we usually do a baptism once a year, but uh, at Burning Harp, but people have requested it. So on Saturday, March 19th, we'll be in Logan at 9 a.m. at the Alpine Church. 9 a.m. sharp. If you want to be baptized in water, please show up up there in Logan. Then we're going to be in Riverdale at the Alpine Church at noon. Riverdale Alpine Church, noon. Then we're going to be at the Salt Lake City Adventure Church at Liberty Park at 3 p.m. Uh, for people who are <clears throat> interested in a never-denominational baptism uh, because of their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to publicly indicate your inward love and commitment to Jesus Christ through baptism and you haven't done it yet and you're not signed up or you're not participating with a church, uh, please come. If you want to be baptized and you have somebody who's a believer that you want to baptize you at that time, come along. It doesn't have to be me. We're just opening it up so that people who have professed a faith in Jesus can experience that wonderful blessing. Then the next day on Sunday, the 20th, 10 a.m., I'll be preaching, teaching at the Lakeside Community Church in Sunset, Utah, 10 a.m. the 20th. The service is open to all, so if you live in the Sunset area or around there, please join us. Then on Saturday, March 26th at 6.30 p.m., Calvary Chapel, Salt Lake City is opening up their church to do a screening of Girl. Uh, we did this at a theater uh, here locally, uh, Pack the House. If you have daughters or you know girls who are be between the age of um, 9 or 10, all the way up into young adulthood, uh, have them come and uh, view this important film about girls in this day and age, and there'll be a discussion. Calvary Chapel Salt Lake City uh, is sponsoring this, and it's going to be a great time. Every week at 1 p.m. a.m. 8.20, the truth airs heart of the matter. Get in your car and tune in. Then you might start up the engine and drive toward the University of Utah <clears throat> to join our never denominational Bible study. Verse by verse, we have a good time. We learn together. We uh, usually have great refreshments and a lot of people show up. So that's Sunday from 2.30 to 3.30. AM 820 from 1 o'clock uh, to 2, and then 2.30 to 3.30, the Never Denominational Bible Study. Want more information? Go to calvarycampus.com. Speaking of, um, not speaking of, but two books for your consideration. The newest is called, If My Kingdom Were of This World, Then My Servants Would Fight. This is a book I promise will either present a great challenge to you personally or will forever alter your worldview relative to Christianity and the direction it's taken in the past five decades. If Then is available. Uh, also addresses some important insights relative, relative to Mormon politics, Glenn Beck, Romney Hutzman, the government situation. It is controversial. You can get it at Lifeway Christian Bookstores. You can get it at Christian Gift and Bible. 
You can now, you can get it at uh, Calvary Chapel Salt Lake City Bookstore as well. And of course, you can get it at www.hotm.tv. Born Again Mormon is also available at those bookstores and utlm.org uh, and other places as well as online. Let's take a minute and hear from the word. We're reading through the book of Matthew and just stopping on topics that touch on the Mormon Christian debate. Now, <clears throat> we all know that Mormonism teaches that they have a living prophet like unto Moses. They also teach that Elias or Elijah, I'm just going to say Elijah from now on, that Elijah had to come to earth and uh, bring a sort of a spirit that would kickstart genealogy work for the Mormons. That's how they interpret the Malachi prediction, and that's how they interpret the coming of Elias or Elijah. But turn to Matthew 11 and start reading with me at verse 10. You ready? It says, For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the, violence take it by, and the violent take it by force. For all the law and the, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is the Elias or the Elijah that was for to come. He that has ears, let him hear. From the very words of Jesus, we learn the following. First, Jesus says that John was the greatest among women, but that he is the least, that, but that the least in the kingdom of heaven, the least person to enter into the kingdom of heaven would be greater. How is this possible? John was the last of the Old Testament prophets under the law, but the least believer in the kingdom of heaven walks free of the law, saved by grace through faith, made righteous by the blood of Jesus, who is greater than all. And this makes them greater than even a great man like John the Baptist. Secondly, we learn from Jesus, quote, that all the prophets and the law prophesied until John the Baptist, all the prophets and the law until John the Baptist. Why so? Because all the prophets and the law were pointing to the coming of the Messiah. That was their job. All the law and the prophets pointing until when? Until John the Baptist. He was the final. And then Jesus says, still speaking of uh, John the Baptist, and if you will receive it, this is the Elijah, which was for to come. There it is, folks. No second Elias needing to come to restore a spirit of genealogy to the world. No other Elias. John the Baptist, according to Jesus, was Elijah, which was promised to come. Then Jesus concluded with the great words, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Our ability to stay uh, in the public eye is directly tied to your support of the ministry. We hope you will prayerfully consider the following. Show me what I'm 
And we're back. How about another question from our atheist friend, Blake? Tonight, Blake asks, why would anyone trust God's plans or ways given his track record of so many failures? Uh, you know, Blake, when you create a child, which I doubt you have at this point, you have a choice on how you're going to try and raise that child. There are parents who try and give their children the ability to choose. There are parents who force their child to do their every single will and whim. The, uh, some will leave, up, leave decisions for the child up to them, even though they know those decisions are going to be wrong and hurt them. Uh, sometimes you love them and want them to mature, and you let them do these things that will even mess up their lives. Uh, if people are this way with their own children, imagine how God would be with his creations. He would be so open and so loving to let them choose and go on their path, even if it was going to mess up their lives, because freedom and liberty is paramount to this God that you attack. God is perfect love, Blake. He has no failures at all. If there are failures in humankind, if there are failures in the angels of heaven or failures uh, around, they are the mistakes and the failings of men. He just gives out life in love. And you're very harsh on God, Blake. Uh, you mock him and say very limited in scope things about him. You're actually, you are the living embodiment of what some would call a mistake. But he loves you still the same. He doesn't force you to believe. So much so he sent down his son on your behalf. And with your obstinacy and with your rebellion and with your proud heart and your uh, egotistical statements about how God is a God of failures, he still endures and sits back in love and lets you say these things because he wants you to choose on your own to receive him. Just want to cover that one for tonight with Blake. Keep searching, my friend. How about responding to some emails, phone calls, and uh, mail, other things? Last week, we talked about what the LDS claim and say about Joseph Smith. And this presentation opened up the mind of one of our longest supporters and our dear friend, Lucy and Logan. She called me and shared something I have never considered. She said, Sean, how many prophets in the Bible had 12 apostles? And it was a good question. It kind of stopped me in my tracks. I had to think here, what was she leading to? Did Moses have 12 apostles who they say Joseph Smith is like? No. Did Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Daniel? No, 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 no 12 apostles. The only being who had 12 apostles, special witnesses who were there to see his resurrection and, then to, and were trained by him and then went to establish his church at that period of time was Jesus. And then Joseph Smith, in another parallel, Lucy pointed out, gave himself 12 apostles when he reestablished the church here on this earth. Do you, have you ever thought about this? Mormonism takes the Old Testament concept of a living prophet like Moses. They add counselors on each side of him to represent the Godhood that they believe in. And then they add in the New Testament idea of Jesus calling 12 apostles to be witnesses of him and his resurrection to the whole charade. It's, it's really amazing where they pull this from because it doesn't have any biblical precedence. 
surely we believe in apostles, people who are sent to teach the gospel. Surely we believe in the gift of prophecy today, but a prophet receiving revelation like Moses with 12 apostles like Jesus established, it's just unconscionable. So think about this stuff. And thank you, Lucy, for your excellent insights. It seems BYU has apparently sacrificed the center of their third-ranked-in-the-nation basketball team because, as the Salt Lake Trib says, he allegedly had some sort of sexual relations with his girlfriend. Since we're trying to think tonight, sit back and examine this for a second. Do you think that the center is the only BYU athlete to have been involved in improperly using his penis this semester or this week? or today, uh, why do you think this poor guy was suddenly caught and convicted and cast out? I mean, how did they even find out about this uh, discretion on his part? Now, I'm not supporting the discretion, but I'm just saying, what is this all about? Ask yourself a bigger question. What would give the Mormon church the most attention, the most applause, especially from the conservative vote in this day and age of moral decay, possibly getting into the final four or being ranked third in the nation than purposely sacrificing some kid on the altar of the national press for the sole purpose of promoting Mormonism and their stance against decay. I mean, why didn't they kick out faithful member uh, Marriott for selling porn to millions of people over the years? Uh, I, I spoke with Sarah at the BYU Athletic Public Relations Department, and she verified to me that Brandon Davies, the center for the team, is off the team for good. I, when I asked her, is Brandon Davies black, she paused and said, yes. Uh, finally, remind yourself of the name of the school that is convicting Brandon for his violations. Brigham Young University, owned by a church started by Joseph Smith. If there were anyone on earth who inappropriately used their penises in life, it would have been those two. And remember, what if Brigham Young himself said, what did Brigham Young himself say about interracial, interracial relationships? He said, if a white mixes his seed with a black, the penalty will be death on the spot. He said, this will always be so. Journal of Discourses 10, uh, colon 110. This is exactly what BYU did to Brandon and his white girlfriend. They killed them on the spot. Finally, we've had some tremendous response from last week's call from Jason. A few people wrote in and said that while he was giving his life through the sinner's prayer or through the prayer to God, heartfelt prayer to God, that they were doing it right along with them. We praise God for the work he does. And many, many have put uh, Jason on their prayer list. Today, Derek took a Bible. We had a call last week from someone who made a really good point. They said, Sean, you told him to read the Bible, but he might pick up the LDS King James Version, which is polluted with the LDS interpretation in their uh, chapter headings and with their references down below. You got to give him a real Bible or just a regular King James. So Derek today, he went and he got a Bible and he went over to uh, Jason's house and he delivered it to him. A week later, he said Jason was still on cloud nine and praising the Lord, ready to move forward in a relationship with him. So we praise God. And with that, let's have a prayer. Dear Lord, we uh, seek you in all things. And we know that you allow us to try to do your work 
and we pray that we will do it in a way that you will uh, authorize and that you will bless. We're reaching out to people who don't know you. We pray for our uh, staff tonight. We pray for the volunteers, the technical issues, and we pray for uh, this transmission going out. We pray for our audience, wherever they may be. In Jesus' name, amen. In October of 2010, I was invited to go and sit with uh, LDS interviewer John Delenn. Uh, he posted this interview on his popular website, mormonstories.org, and almost weekly we receive an email from someone in the world who is somehow affected by this in a way that our show does not reach them. We want to take the next few weeks and show you the interview in total in about 20-minute segments. I think they actually speak more to my real heart in what we do than the things that I do on the air. Uh, so we're going to open up the phone lines right now so our operators can start getting through and checking you out. And then we're going to go to this interview with John Delenn and myself. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, John Delenn is a great guy. He's LDS. He uh, attends the church regularly. But I trusted John because while he would be straightforward with me, and he was, and he didn't ask me easy questions, he, uh, he offered to provide me with the questions beforehand, but I said, no, I'll just come and sit. And we sat for uh, about two and a half hours, and he just threw them down. But he, isn't, he wasn't there to spin Mormonism into this spotlight of uh, deception. He was there just to interview, and I trusted him, and it came out great. And I really thank John for the work he does at mormonstories.org. So let's check this out. Sean McCraney, welcome to Mormon Stories. Thank you. Good to be here. It's my pleasure, too. I um, thought I'd begin by just kind of setting up maybe three reasons uh, why I thought this would be a great interview. First is um, Mormon Stories is about interviewing interesting Mormons. And you, I, I, consider, I, I consider you to be a Mormon. Anyone who sort of uh, has been or will be or is a Mormon now or is affiliated in some way I kind of see Mormonism as a, as a culture, and, um, and you're right there in the middle of it. So I thought your story would be interesting, and I'm really excited just to hear about your journey. So that's the first reason. Okay. Second reason, there are um, plenty of members of the LDS Church who end up leaving it. And uh, you know, some would argue that far too many of them become disbelievers or atheists, um, or just struggle to find some type of spiritual destination. Mm -hmm and a sense of meaning or community. Now, plenty of people who I talk to who are atheist or agnostic find a place that they're very happy with, so I don't want to give the impression that that's everyone. But um, I, you know, I know that there are many who leave who do want some type of spiritual or religious replacement. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, evangelical Christianity is one place they could go. So to the extent that uh, you can make an appeal for why a former member of the church might consider evangelical Christianity. I'd be interested okay. in that. And then the third is there are a lot of believing Mormons, LDS church members or non, who sort of have been following your show and have a lot of questions. So I've sent emails, put up a blog post to get as many people to ask questions as they can. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, 
And so I'll be just asking a bunch of the questions on behalf of my listeners and, and stuff. Okay. So let's begin uh, with your story. Okay. Tell us about your upbringing, your time in the church, and lead us up through your decision to leave and your born-again experience. Okay. Mom and dad, Los Angeles, California, uh, converted prior to my birth, had three children. Uh, parents uh, converted to Mormonism by two sister missionaries who uh, my parents liked the social uh, structure that the church brought them. Uh, and so I was born under the covenant or in the covenant and uh, raised LDS uh, throughout my teen years. Hard as it is to believe, I was a little wild. Uh, but um, I never missed going to church. All of my friends, except for one, were LDS. I had a great time. I loved the steak dances. I loved the girls. I loved the meetings. Uh, the social uh, constructs were phenomenal. So my parents chose well. And uh, I liked being LDS, although, as I said, I was a bit wild. And then when the mission time came, back in those days, it was a good thing to uh, get yourself cleaned up. And so I did that and uh, w was called to Pennsylvania Harrisburg and uh, was called to a two-year two mission. And then... Um, Real quick. Yeah. So um, for many people, they have a very spiritual upbringing and the mission is what they always wanted to do. For, for those who maybe have a lively teenage years before they go on a mission... Yeah. There's usually some type of climactic spiritual experience which sort of brings them to want to go on a mission. Yeah. Did you have any of that? And just in general, did you have a testimony in your teen years at all? Uh, no. No testimony in the teen years except a testimony of the church, but not of the gospel that Mormonism represents. Uh, and, Jesus? God uh, Jesus? Not, not really, to be honest, okay. you know. Uh, and the, the change, the, 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 the shift was they disfellowshipped me. They wanted to excommunicate me. I was that wild. What age? Uh, 18. Oh, wow. Yeah. But uh, my mom went down and said, if you do, the whole family's walking. And so they disfellowshipped me instead. I learned from that that, there's, that it's interesting how those things worked. And, and that was kind of a light bulb for me because I, I had talked to the bishop and I knew that they had wanted to. Uh, excommunicate me. Pre-mission. Pre-mission, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I'm pretty much a bad guy at heart. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I went on the mission, and it was a, a time of reform, and I was a damn, dang good missionary, man. I obeyed the white handbook rules like you can't believe, and I loved it, and it was an opportunity to hone my sales skills, and I believed in Jesus Christ in the mission, and I believed Mormonism was true, and I bought into it completely on the mission. But not a spiritual conversion? Uh, not, I cannot say that I had a uh, metaphysical experience that altered my heart, no. But intellectually, I made an intellectual assent to this church must be true. Look at the good and look at the mission. And, and being part of that group was so powerful that I, I, I liked it. Um, Did you ever feel like you were, so you didn't feel like you were lying because intellectually you were convinced? Oh, intellectually I was convinced, okay. so I was able to sell the product. Okay. But I didn't know what spiritual change was, so I really couldn't, didn't have anything to base it on. Uh, 
came home from the mission honorably and baptisms. Uh, you know, I wasn't a great baptizer in Pennsylvania, Harrisburg. Worked a lot with Amish, and I think I baptized six. And uh, and I, you know, I heard of people in the mission that would baptize, you know, many more. So I wasn't really a great. I was an assistant to the president for more than half of my mission. You were, yeah. So uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. And um, what do you think? led to the people, did the people who got baptized, do you think they were converted, not converted? I think that I, I charmed them into becoming LDS. So and, charisma. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you think any of them are still members? I do. Yeah, I've checked on a few of them and they are. And I, I haven't checked on them to yank them out, I just checked on them. Yeah. So uh, came back the night I got home, uh, got engaged to my wife. What? Yeah. Because had you known you know, her? Had you I, known her? I knew her before going on the mission, okay. and, uh, but I didn't want to fall back into my old ways, you know. <laughs> so it was important for me, according to my mission president, that I get hooked up really quickly. And she was, she's a good girl, still married to her now. And uh, so we got engaged, got married six months later, and be embarked upon the life of a missionary. I mean, a, a return missionary. But, you know, I... And I don't know, do you have language things here? Do I have a problem with just speaking? I, I became a bastard because I, where, where I lacked in morality prior to the mission, the mission gave me now righteousness. And so I became somewhat of a religious jerk. And I was knowledgeable, and, and I'm fairly intelligent, so I understood things, and I was put in leadership positions in the mission. That kind of puffed me up. And uh, I, was, I was a jerk, so I realized that about myself. Became an elders quorum president here in Utah when we went to BYU. Just was like Adolf Hitler running the elders quorum. I mean, we were going to get 100% come hell or high water. And I was determined. I really believe that if we're supposed to do our home teaching, it had to be 100%. Uh, Dan Witherspoon, he once said you, that I was uh, obsessive compulsive. But did, did you know him? No, I didn't. He okay. told me this later. Okay, okay. Uh, but he said, you're obsessive compulsive. Anybody who wants to get 100% home teaching every month as an Ellis Quorum president, you, you're just a perfectionist. I said, I'm not. But I just thought, hey, listen, if, if you have to do your home teaching, and that's what pleases God, we're, we got to do it. And I would go out like, I remember a Halloween night, and like 20 families hadn't been visited. And I was out there on Halloween night trying to do it myself. So we got all 100%. I, you know, and that's kind of my mindset going in. Well, that can only last so long. And I began to sort of break down internally. I, I, and what happened was I started having questions and doubts. And I first, uh, after uh, leaving BYU, I... Uh, what did you study? Uh, fashion design. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And, Bit of a metrosexual. Uh, yeah, I'm a metrosexual all the way. <laughs> no. uh, and just to let the audience know, my, my, uh, moral, my issues of morality, unlike what the Internet says, are not homosexuality. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, studied fashion design, and after I just started having the questions, so I went to anti-Mormon literature, studied it, and realized no one cares in the church, mostly, when I was a member, and I have all this information. Hey, did you know? They're like, well, I, you, who cares? Well, that's not. We don't really. No one. And so that wasn't the avenue for me. So what happens? My wife and I, we start raising our family, and I start, I'm putting in an elders quorum, and then I'm putting in a bishopric, and I'm putting a stake high council as a high priest. Okay, wait, where, where are you when you're in a bishopric? Huntington Beach. So you move back to California. Move back to California. Start a business. What are you doing? Uh, the, I was in uh, the retail business for a while, and then after the retail business, I went into becoming a stockbroker, and I worked for Dean Witter Reynolds at that time, and uh, hated it. 
was not a happy guy. Were you good at it? Not that good, but I was okay. Uh, and I moved around doing that, and you can make a lot of money doing that. So uh, moving around, they pay you to come up, come over. So I did that game. Uh, taught early morning seminary um, and learned. And, not, and really, I was doing all these things outwardly. And I know this doesn't play well to my story in trying to reach people who are LDS because almost everything I'm saying, they can use against me because that's the mindset. He was a sinner. He never really had a testimony. He, uh, you know, all those things. And I understand that. But I'll tell you why I think it's important in a minute. Uh, so I started to have that. So then I started to kind of I, just royal in uh, despair. And I went to Eastern Metaphysics. I studied philosophy heavily. And my wife and I just call it 17, the lost years. For 17 years, I, I served in the church, but internally just had like this catabasis of downward spiral. Was it, it the church isn't true? Was it how do I reconcile the history? Was it I'm just not culturally feeling right or spiritually fed? I knew I was a jerk in my heart, and I knew that God, I was not right with God, honestly, but I could not fix it. The mission didn't fix it for me, because as soon as I got off the plane, I could see my marriage in the temple didn't fix it for me. Getting 100% home teaching didn't fix it for me. I knew in my heart that if, this, if God, if I stood before him, he would see who I really was. And I, as much as this sounds difficult, I hate hypocrisy. And I was a hypocrite. And because I was a hypocrite, I just refused in the end to put up the facade anymore. And so... Uh, in the end, I did. But for those 17 years, I played the game. I put on the white suit. I was popular, you know, involved with the youth and all those things. But internally, I was just dead. And so someone wrote a critique against me at Farms on my book and said I was addicted to painkillers and vodka. I was not. And I, in fact, I say in the book I wrote, I, I use them to dull the pain of my doubt and not believing in the church being married in the temple to a wife who did, my children singing, I want to go to the temple, you know. And, and that conflict and tension was too much for me. And so I began to secretly abuse, when I could find times alone, uh, vodka or uh, hydrocodone or whatever. Never addicted. You used them, but not. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, uh, uh, and, you know, what happened then, John, was um, in the summer of 1997, I get in the car. My wife asked me to go pick up my children from gymnastics practice. I'm driving, and I could have driven off this bridge I was going over as well as driven to the practice. How old were you? So gone. Uh, 97, I was 36. Uh, and I flip on the radio, and there's a, uh, a, a preacher, and he says, you know, if let me ask you a question. If you can... Uh, if you could get yourself right before God, why haven't you done it? That was his question. And I thought, I don't know, man. I've tried. I really have tried. And then he said, well, the reason yet you haven't done it is because you can't. It's impossible in, you, in who you are to do it. So I listened. Long story short, uh, he said, say the sinner's prayer. Now, I had done the sinner's prayer mockingly on many doorsteps in Pennsylvania. You know, Christians would come to the door and say, all you need to do is confess. And I'd say, Jesus, I believe you. Am I saved now? You know, and we'd mock that. And, but this time I was so broken inside because of my proclivities toward my own flesh that I said, hey, man, I need something. And I was at the bottom of the barrel. I discovered that within the Mormon church, you usually don't go bottom of the barrel 
because there's so many supports to keep you going and up. And if you go bottom of the barrel, you usually go inactive, and then you know, you're not walking on water anymore. You're you're turning into wine and you're drinking it. So uh, I I just I just hit bottom barrel while an active Mormon. And uh, what's the sinner's prayer? Can you recite it? Do you remember it? You know, I didn't. There isn't an official okay. sinner's okay. prayer, but I just asked Jesus, God, Heavenly Father. I actually said Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin, help me to overcome my own propensities, which I can't do myself. And I know I can't. I've tried. You said this driving to pick I up. I pulled over the side of the road, yeah. And I'm, it's the roadside experience, you know. And, and, uh, and, you know, being raised LDS, I really kind of believed listening to him that this was going to happen. So I opened my eyes. I think, you know, angels, oh, he has been saved. Sean McCready's finally come. But nothing. And, I, and the guy said on the radio, and make sure you tell God you'll wait for him to change you. And so I, uh, I said, God, I'll wait. But please help me. So, uh, so no immediate answer. No immediate answer. Nothing at all. Um, I went to the gymnastics practice. And do you want me to go into this? Yeah. Okay. I go to the gymnastics practice. I park the car. I'm, waiting, I'm 15 minutes early. I close my eyes. And I go back to three specific stories of my life. The first one was I'm 10 years old. I'm in the shower. The telephone rings. No one's home. I go to get it. I wrap a towel. And on the other end is a guy who says it's his mission. And he has a speech impediment. And he might be mentally... Uh, disturbed but there's something physically wrong with him and he says it's his mission to call people and talk to them about Jesus and my mind went back as I'm sitting there waiting for my kids to come out about this call now I don't remember what the guy said to me but all I do know is that when my mom came in from the store and put the groceries on I could hear her come in and the guy hung up my hair was dry so he, he blew dry my hair with prayer and he just prayed into me something about listen Jesus is real and I don't know what else. Next story, I get off my mission. I come to Logan, Utah, and I'm working at the Elks Club cleaning the pool before I go to BYU with my wife. And I'm cleaning the pool, and there's a guy with long red hair sitting poolside with a black book. And I get next to him, I'm just off my mission, and I'm just married in the temple, and he's got this black book, and I said, what's that? And he said, it's a Bible. And I said, uh, you LDS? And he said, I used to be. And man, it was, it was throwdown time. I mean, I started throwing it at him. He starts throwing it at me. Back and forth we go. And then finally the guy just says, someday you are going to know who Jesus is. And my mind went back to that experience uh, of that moment. The third one was I'm working at a bank as an investment officer. A girl is leaving to go get married, and she leaves a, a letter from she and her husband-to-be on my desk. Uh, just want to tell you, I know that you're LDS, and what, that's fine. But um, Jesus is real, and that's what all you need. And I thought, I mocked it, really. I was teaching a late-night temple prep class at that time, and I actually took it into the temple prep, and I read it, and everybody mocked it. Yeah, Jesus only, Jesus only. And I was kind of mocking it, too. And they're sitting waiting for that to come out. My mind went back to that story. And I, you know, I, I cannot describe this any better than I opened my eyes, and I watched the double gym doors open, and my daughters come out with their little friends and their leotards. And they just bounced across the grass like, like summer leaves. And I was changed. My heart was changed radically. Uh, but I didn't know what that would mean. I was LDS. But for the first time in my life, it didn't matter. I felt peace. I knew that I had been unconditionally received by God because of what his son did for me. 
And it changed the way I saw and heard and lived from that point forward. Um, but I was LDS. And I did not want to go to some evangelical Jesus freak church. So I still was LDS in my heart. I still loved the church. I didn't believe it, but I loved the church. So I continued to go for four years. And during that time, I wrote a book. And it, I titled it Born Again Mormon. So next week, we'll continue on with this interview with John Delenn. I know the question on everybody's mind is, how the heck did you study fashion design with the way you get on this TV program right now? And all I can say is that's BYU's education, baby. <laughs> right there, that's all I can tell you. We're going to go to Chris in Sandy, Utah, first-time caller. Chris, you're on Heart of the Matter. I'm doing well. How are you? you've been talking about, but um, if you're familiar with the New World Order and Illuminati, um, said to be Satan's followers to rebel against Jesus, and you know, if you just had any views or opinions on that, what you think about it? You know, I am not uh, well read in the Illuminati. I know um, there are people who are just sold out convinced of all those, uh, those uh, intricacies and darkness and clandestine secret societies, and, and then there's others who don't give it much thought. I, uh, I realize that there are powers in high places that govern this world. I realize that Satan is the god of this world. He is the one who uh, has it in his control. Jesus bought back the title deed with his life, and yet Satan still uh, reigns in terms of the materialism and the wealth and the power. I realize there is a movement for a one-world nation, and, uh, but I don't give much time or credence to it because I'm just too busy trying to share the message that I know will cause a real eternal difference in people's lives. Yeah, uh, and it's also said that um, maybe the Antichrist isn't just one but many, and maybe that this group of elite people, uh, New World Order, one government, uh, may be the Antichrist. Yeah, I haven't considered that. I'm sure there's some possibility in that when we try to interpret Scripture relative to uh, Antichrist and the beast and the false prophet. You may be onto something there. Is it something that you pursue and seek out? I've recently been uh, researching it, you know, getting more into it. kind of curious of maybe what the government or even the world's up to. And, um, you know, you do a lot of research with it, and it uh, also has a lot of Scriptures straight yeah. out of the Bible to refer all their to back up what they're saying, you know, that maybe this is what's happening with these group of elite people. Yeah. Um, they refer back to scriptures that have similarities. Yeah, you know, Chris, the only thing that comes to my mind relative to what we do on the show and with Christianity and things relative to this topic is that if you were going to take a picture of uh, what that Illuminati or that New World Order's leadership would look like, uh, I think you would look at a picture of look like somebody who is in a business suit somebody who was very clean cut, yeah. somebody who's astute and powerful in the ways of the world, and somebody who's wealthy. So I'm trying to think of who really represents that in terms of religion on the earth today. But, uh, you know, you, I think you're making some good points and getting people to think. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm just kind of curious your view. You know, I watch your show sometimes, so kind of curious what your opinion was on it. Thanks for the call, Chris. No problem. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. This is a great email. On December 1st, 1978, I picked up the New Testament and started to look for things to shoot a witness down that somebody had given me. Boy, did I enjoy the Gospels. It was a good read and insightful. As I got to second chapter of Acts, and I heard God through Luke declare, 
that Peter said the people were not drunk, etc., and he quoted the second chapter of Joel. I went to Joel and remembered that Joseph Smith said that the angel Moroni told him that basically Mormonism was the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. And he knew at that point in time that somebody had fooled him. And he decided at that point not to trust uh, Joseph, but Peter. He goes on, it was December 20th, 1978. I put my Bible down and could not contain my joy. I jumped up and down, danced and began to sing a secular tune. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me down. It's going to be a bright, bright, bright sun. He writes, S-O-N, shiny day. What a change in me came about. I did not believe in a creator anymore. I knew him as being the word who became flesh. I know I have been set free. It's been 32 years and my God is a real close friend sh uh, showing himself to me over and over. Nothing will separate me from his love. Thanks to a prayerful pest and the living active word of God, I am his new uh, uh, creation sign, Russ. Great email, Russ. Thank you. It gives hope for people out there who are searching. Hey, for those of you who are looking for something to spend your money on, well, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir they, and, 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 and uh, the orchestra has the Praise to the Man C CD out for your enjoyment. So, you know, you can get it. And it says, in 1820, a young man walked into a grove of trees with a question and walked out with an answer that would change the world forever. So, you know, you can get the Praise to the Man CD and rock out to tunes that, that praise Joseph Smith. You know, we only try to give you quality products here on the show. Uh, let's go with uh, Wink in Salt Lake City. Wink is LDS. Here we go. Wink, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Hi, Wink. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'm very, very, very good, but a little bit, a little bit nervous because I've never spoken on television ever before. But I've done a lot of lecturing on the blood proteins, you know, life or death at the cell level. But that's neither here nor there. The reason why I called because I believe in what that gentleman was just talking about, as far as the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ, because I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's been on my shoulders all my life. Well, praise and God, Wink. The, the I, thing, I, I don't dispute you. I, I would agree if you say that, and you're a member of the L, and you're a member of the LDS Church. I'm not someone who's going to fight with you over that. Oh, I know that. I know that. But can I ask <laughs> anyway, you? A, can I ask anyway, you? The thing I'm talking about oh. is that uh, to retrogress just a wee bit, and in what you're talking about today, but what you've talked about in the future, in the past, is that in the hereafter and what happens and what you have to do in order to get into the kingdom of heaven with our Father in heaven. And let me say that the time will be no more when we get there. Those born in Abraham's time or died in Abraham's time will be no longer dead than when you and I go there anyway in the future. But anyway, to make a long story short, my boy, my oldest son, died here on drugs a few years ago. His daughter and wife put him in jail because he uh, had to take care of them when they were children. And they put him in the jail because he, they said he was a pedophile. Well, he, he couldn't stand it. He took drugs and died for five hours. He saw me on the, in, 
in the hospital, and he came back. When he came back, to make long story short, he said, Dad, I went into heaven. And he said, I saw my mother, who died about 20 years ago, and he said the first thing that he heard was, I'm waiting for your dad, meaning me. And, of course, then he saw my mother. And my mother said, tell Weldon to take his vegetables. You know, outlive all of his sisters and brothers. And I am older than any of them. But anyway, they went down this long corridor, and it opened up. And he says, the most beautiful sight that he had ever witnessed in his life. And he saw many, many, many people there. And he said, one thing... Uh, Dad, there's only two requisites of getting into the kingdom of heaven is to love the Lord and keep his commandments. And what are those commandments, and, Wink? Pardon? What are those commandments, Wink? Uh, the Ten Commandments. Oh. The, the Ten Commandments that, that's in the Bible and that he said that... Uh, well, wink, I, I'm going to, this has been good, wink, go wink, 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 you, you brought a lot of information. I know it's your first time on TV, and you've brought a lot of information for people to think about, okay? Well, but now you've made a point. I would like to come and meet with you, okay. because I can get into so many other things. I believe that. That not even entered your mind. I believe that. But, Wink, let me tell you something. What? Nobody has ever kept the Ten Commandments. Nobody you has ever what? Kept the Ten Commandments. Oh, I didn't understand that one word you said. Nobody has ever kept the Ten Commandments, Wink. You haven't. Oh, is that right? You haven't. Not really. No, you have have you have you kept all ten of the Ten Commandments, Wink? No. Well, who has? I don't know. Well, if the if the if, what he's but, but let me let me ask you something. Said. If and that, that was a prerequisite getting to heaven. I understand he said that, but I just want to tell you, I think he's he off. Said, I and think, he said this also, Sean. It's hard to do this I can call him. you by Sean. You can call uh, me by Sean. He said that uh, it does not matter what church you belong to as long as you do that. And that's the main thing is love the Lord. And guess what, Wink? I just want to clarify for our audience. The second Great commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, Absolutely. Jesus said a new commandment I give you. These aren't the 10. The new commandment is to what? Love one another. So the requisite to get into heaven is faith in the Lord and love. So, but it's not to obey the commandments because no one can do it, Wink. Nobody can obey those Ten Commandments. So I just want to clarify in your mind, it's love oh, and belief, oh, not keeping oh, the Ten Commandments. Okay, because I'm amenable to anything like that. Because Praise anything God. Anything that I can do. Praise God. I want to become more autonomous with spontaneity, integrity, and authenticity. You sound like a man of all those things. When you just talked about love, Sean, yes. that's the thing I want to talk about and show you on pipe, on paper, exactly what it really means. Well, I look forward to that. We're going to do that. At I'm going to keep you on hold, and you leave your information, and I'll give you a ring and see if we can meet up at a, at a McDonald's somewhere where I can just 
eat while you I, talk to me. I would be happy to do that, All right, Wayne. John, because I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I believe in what you're telling people on the air, because so many people do not understand. Well, praise God. They do not understand so many things, and I will be happy to meet with you, and I'll even be able, I'd like to get on the television with you. Well, we'll talk about that, Wink. Okay. Now, I want you to hold on, okay? Very good. I appreciate that. Okay. Hold on. It's been my pleasure. He's a nice man, Wink. He even sounds like Wink Martindale, didn't he, a little bit? All right. Let's, uh, uh, where the operator's still going on, clearing the calls. Jeff writes, this is Mosiah from the Book of Mormon, and it reads, And the Lord said unto me, this is from the Book of Mormon, you tell me what you think if you read this. Marvel not that all mankind, yea, men and women, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, must be born again. Yea, born of God, changed from their carnal and fallen state to a state of righteousness, being redeemed of God, becoming the sons and daughters. And thus they become new creatures, and unless they do this, they can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. That is a quote from the Book of Mormon. And the writer of the email says, what's my take on this? My take is this, Jeff. Joseph Smith, he took his first book of this Book of Mormon and he copied and made it essentially a Christian book. And so when it says, when he quotes here, you must be born again, he's taking from the words of Jesus who said the same thing to Nicodemus. The fact that it is true doesn't make the Book of Mormon true. It just makes segments of it true that Joseph borrowed from to make it appear like a, a true book. Now, if a Latter-day Saint reads this and says, I believe that, and they're born again, that's wonderful. However, if they stay an LDS member because they've read the Book of Mormon and these things in it, they're going to learn other things that Joseph Smith added to this, these uh, scriptures in the Book of Mormon. In fact, Joseph Smith took the Book of Mormon and he had had enough of it. He had had further revelations later, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, and 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 uh, prophets like Brigham Young have had revelations since that they add to the canon of what is true. So what it says there in the Book of Mormon from Joseph Smith plagiarizing concepts is fine. I've never said that the Book of Mormon, except for about six different points, teaches against the Bible. But it's fiction, and it is the introductory drug to Mormonism. You get it, you read it, you think, boy, this sounds just like the Bible. I like it. Then you start going into it and doing it and doing all the stuff. And pretty soon you're smoking the Doctrine and Covenants. And then you're injecting the Pearl of Great Price. And pretty soon you're huffing the temple. And dude, you're an addict then. You see? So you got to be careful of this stuff. All right? Okay. Rex Wangsgard. Oh, Rex, sorry, wrote. Ran across, <laughs> ran across this quote. Ran across this quote from Jar R.W. Stott, which would be beneficial to a lot of viewers. I read it's short and I really like it. It says, Latter-day Saints, listen. If we come to scripture with our minds made up, expecting to hear from it only an echo of our own thoughts and never the thunderclap of God's, then indeed he will not speak to us and we shall only be confirmed in our own prejudices. We must allow the word of God to confront us to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior, end quote. When you go to the Bible and you open it up and read it, if you read it with prejudicial eyes, which most LDS do, and that's why they'll call and say, we love the Bible, I love the Bible. They read into it what they want it to say. They see what they want to see. 
For this reason, and I'm like a broken record, Jesus said several times, pray that their eyes will be open and they will see that their ears will be unplugged, that their heart will become unclogged and that I may convert them and that they will then be healed. And when they're healed, born again, they then become full of the love and light of God. They see the truth when they read the Bible. They're open to new correction that the Bible brings and to the truths that it possesses. But until that point in time, what uh, Rex says here is so true. You can take anybody and they'll pull anything they want out of the word of God. Uh, Steve writes, hey, Sean, love the show. I, I live in holiday most of my life. Uh, it's without a doubt one of the LDS hotspots. Most of my friends are Mormon and they're leaving on missions this summer. One of my good friends just called to serve in Mexico. I asked him to watch your show to answer some questions for me. I told him I was thinking about converting for my girlfriend, but was skeptical, skeptical over a few things because uh, if I would have said otherwise, he probably wouldn't have watched your show. All I heard back from him after a week was he sent me a text and it said, Steve, I watched some of those shows and you should not be watching those if you're thinking about converting. Sean is just jealous and ex jealous of what? I don't know. I, uh, and exaggerates every minor problem with the church. If you want true information, go to an LDS website. Well, I got to tell you, the LDS websites do not supply true information. They supply information that they want you to know in here and uh, nothing more. Uh, Aaron writes, I hated Sean for what he said about the church, but I started finding myself relating for most about what he said in his book, I Was a Born Again Mormon. I did not feel like a better f person after abiding by all the LDS rules. It was around... I was around some of the best members. I paid tithing. I prayed often. I read scriptures for hours a day. I home taught. I was about to go on a mission, was working on my temple worthiness. But in my heart, I did not feel worthy and was told by my bishop that is why it, uh, I had to wait a while. And then I realized there was something wrong with my faith. There's something tremendously wrong with Mormonism, not all Mormons. Seek out the Lord. Go to him and say, I need your help. Open my eyes and ears, whatever it is. You got to be willing. Whatever you have to teach me, let me know what it is, Lord. I'm willing. And he will be faithful to his promise. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my rusty cage and run. My, gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage. And run.